0: Behind the Green Door by Mildred A. Wirt Benson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Cheryl Adams, Skowhegan, Maine, 2015. Chapter 22 The Secret Stairs in the darkness penny felt something soft and covered with fur brush against her face she recoiled nearly screaming in terror recovering her poise and realizing that she had merely touched a garment which hung in the closet she flattened herself against the wall and waited the outside door opened and soft footsteps approached the wall switches lights flashed on a tall swarthy man in a gray business suit blinked at the sudden flood of illumination After a moment, he stepped over to the teletype machines and, throwing a switch, started them going. Sitting down to the keyboard, he tapped out a message. Then he lit a cigarette and waited. In a few minutes, his answer came, typed out from some distant station. The man ripped the copy from the machine and read it carefully. Its contents seemed to please him, for he smiled broadly as he arose from the chair, leaving the teletypes still running. Penny froze with fear when she heard the man stride toward the closet where she had hidden herself. Instinctively, instinctively she burrowed back behind the fur garments which her groping hands encountered. The door was flung open and light flooded into the closet. However, the teletype attendant seemed to have no suspicion that anyone might be hiding there. He pressed a button on the wall and then heaved against the partition with his shoulder. The section of wall, suspended on a pivot, slowly revolved. After the man had passed through, it swung back into its original position. Penny waited several minutes and then came out of her hiding place. She flung open the closet door to admit more light. Just as I thought, she muttered. The closet, a long narrow room, was hung solidly with fur coats, So Maxine Miller was working for the hotel interests after all, Penny told herself. I've stumbled into something big. Groping along the wall of the storage room, she found a switch and pressed it. Again, the partition revolved, revealing a flight of stairs leading downward. She slipped through and the wall slid into place behind her. The stairway was lighted with only one weak electric bulb penny's body cast a grotesque shadow as she cautiously descended there were so many steps that she decided they must lead to a basement in the hotel she reached the bottom at last and followed a narrow sloping tunnel past a large refrigerated vault which she reasoned must contain a vast supply of additional furs and kept on until a blast of cool air struck her face penny drew up sharply directly ahead at a bend in the tunnel sat an armed guard. He was reading a newspaper in the dim light, holding it very close to the glaring bulb above his chair. Penny dared go no further. Quietly retreating the way she had come, she stole back up the long stairway. At the top landing, she found herself confronted with a blank wall. After groping about for several minutes, her hand encountered a tiny switch similar to the one on the opposite side of the partition. She pressed it, and the wall section revolved. Letting herself out of the storage closet, Penny started toward the door, only to pause as she heard one of the teletypes thumping out a message. She crossed over to the machine and stood waiting until the line had been finished and a bell jingled. The words were unintelligible in jumbled typewriting, and Penny had no time to work out the code. Tearing the copy paper neatly across, she thrust it into the pocket of her jacket. Fearing that at any moment the printer attendant might return, Penny dared linger no longer. She went to the door, but to her surprise it would not open. Probably a special trick catch which automatically locks whenever closed, she thought. The only way to get in or out is with a key, and I haven't one. That means I'll have to risk my neck again. Going to the window, she raised it and looked down. All was clear below. Two courses lay open to her. She could return the way she had come through the hotel, or she might edge along the shelf past two other windows to the fire escape and thence to the ground. Either way was fraught with danger. If I should happen to meet Ralph Fergus or Harvey Maxwell, I might not get away with my information, Penny decided. I'll try the fire escape. Closing the window behind her, she flattened herself along the building wall and moved cautiously along the ledge. She passed to the first room in safety. Then, as she was about to crawl past the second, the square of window suddenly flared with light. For a dreadful moment, Penny thought she'd been seen. She huddled against the wall and waited. Nothing happened. At last, regaining her courage, she dared to peep into the lighted room. Two men stood with their backs to the window, but she recognized them as Harvey Maxwell and Ralph Fergus. Penny received a distinct shock as her gaze wandered to the third individual who sat in a chair by the bed. The man was old Peter Jasko. A low rumble of voices reached the girl's ears. Harvey Maxwell was speaking. Well, Jasko, have you thought it over? Are you ready to sign the lease? I'll have the law on you if I ever get out of here, the old man said spiritedly. You're keeping me against my will. "'You'll stay here, Jasko, until you come to your senses. "'We need that land, and we mean to have it. "'Understand?' "'You won't get me to sign, not if you keep me here all night,' Mr. Jasko muttered. "'Not if you keep me a year.' "'You may change your mind after you learn what we can do,' said Harvey Maxwell suavely. "'You aim to starve me, I reckon.' "'I know, nothing so crude as that, my dear fellow. "'In fact, we shall treat you most kindly.' "'Dr. Corbin will be here presently to examine you.' "'Dr. Corbin? That old quack from Morgantown? "'What are you bringing him in here for?' "'Harvey Maxwell smiled and tapped his head significantly. "'To give you a mental examination. "'You're known to the good people of Pine Top "'as a very peculiar fellow, "'so I doubt if anyone will question Dr. Corbin's verdict. "'You mean you're aiming to have me adjudged insane?' Peter Jasko asked incredulously. "'Exactly. How else can one explain your fanatical hatred of skiing, your blind rages, your antagonism to the more progressive interests? While it will be a pity to bring disgrace upon your charming granddaughter, there's no other way.' "'Not unless you decide to sign,' added Ralph Fergus.' "'We're more than reasonable. We'll, "'We're will we willing to pay you a fair price for the lease, "'more than the land is worth. "'But we want it, see, and what we want, we take.' "'You're a couple of thieving, stealin' crooks,' Peter Jasko shouted. "'Not so loud, and be careful of your words,' Harvey Maxwell warned, "'or the gag goes on again.' "'Which do you prefer?' Fergus went on. A tidy little sum of money, or the asylum? Peter Jasko maintained a sullen silence, glaring at the two hotel men. The doctor will be here at 10.30, said Harvey Maxwell, looking at his watch. You will have less than a half hour to decide. My mind's made up now. You won't get anyone to believe your cock and ball story. I'll tell him you brought me here and held me prisoner, and no one will believe you, smiled Maxwell. "'We'll give out that you came to the hotel and started running amuck. "'Dozens of employees will confirm the story.'" "'For that matter, I'm not sure you don't belong in an asylum,' muttered Fergus. "'Only a man who isn't in his right mind "'would turn down the liberal proposition we've made you.'" "'I deal with no scoundrels,' the old man defied them. Harvey Maxwell looked at his watch again. You have exactly twenty-five minutes in which to make up your mind, Jasko. We'll leave you alone to think it over. Fergus trussed up the old man's hands and placed a gag in his mouth. Then the two hotel men left the room, turning out the light and locking the door behind them. End of chapter 22